I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles. We're going to look together in the Gospel of Luke. We've been studying and we've been doing uh, Christmas from Mary's point of view, and so that means you're going to be in the Gospel of Luke. So we're going to look in Luke chapter 1. We've left off and we're ready to pick back up with verse 39. This is Mary where she has her visit with Elizabeth. So Luke 1, verse 39, it says, Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed, for there will be fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord." Let's have prayer again. Lord, will you bless us this morning? Help us. We want to honor you. We want this to be a season of joy, but a season in which, Lord, we're used as your instruments. So may you bless this moment. May you be honored and glorified. And Lord, may each person here be excited about Jesus Christ. I pray for your blessings and give you thanks now in Jesus' name. Amen. Kurt Talley, a few years ago, said he was at a hockey game. He'd been invited with some other couples, but he was just by himself. And he said, you know, although we was in this stadium with thousands of people, he said, I just felt uh, alone. Uh, and he said, I picked up a popcorn box and he wrote a song called Lonely People. It's easy to be able to feel alone, even when you're around a group of people. One boy went to camp. He wrote to his parents back home. He said, I'm here with 50 boys. I wish there was only 49. <laughs> you know, you, you can be popular. You can have money. And you can still be alone. You can be with a lot of people and still feel alone. You know, it's estimated that 25% of people in the United States will eat alone today. 25%. There is a lot of lonely people. And when Christmas and holidays come around, for some people it just exasperates it, and they just feel by themselves. You know, Mary felt alone. She got this good news, you should be celebrating. But instead, I think she felt alone. There is a lot of leaders. There's a lot of heroes that at times feel alone. What is placed upon them... Although it is a gift, and yet it's a weight of responsibility. She felt alone. Now some people may ask, well, why would she feel alone? Well, Mary felt alone because she knew a lot of people would not believe her. I mean, just think about it. You're a teenager. If you go and you say, hey, guess what? An angel from God came to me. Oh, yeah, right. Well, I'm pregnant. But I'm still a virgin. You see, she felt alone. Because who's going to believe her? She knew that people wouldn't believe her. She was alone because she knew people would reject her. 
You know, it's one thing for people not to believe you, but it's another thing to be rejected where people don't even want to be around you. They don't want to be seen in public with you. They uh, want to have nothing to do with you. And unfortunately, you know, sometimes when it seems like you make a mistake, when there's some type of sin in your life, that's what happens. People want to avoid you. It's a black mark. I don't want to be seen with you. What's it going to do to my reputation? She knew people would reject her. She knew people would be talking about her. Isn't it something you walk in a room and you know people are talking about you? You could hear the whispers, pointing of the fingers. You may have experienced it. It's not fun. So she knew that she would be the talk of the town. She would be the gossip that's going on. She also knew that it was going to create family problems. Joseph would probably reject her. And sure enough, we know that that was true. Joseph was going to have her have her put away silently. He was going to divorce because he was a righteous man. He wasn't going to make a big deal out of it, although he could have. And the law said if you got caught in this situation, you could be stoned. So she was alone. The good thing is that Mary responds and she acts in haste because the angel had mentioned Elizabeth to her and it was to give her some encouragement that Mary took hold of that and said, I'm going right to Elizabeth. Now it doesn't tell us how she went, if she traveled with some people or how she went. It just says she went. It's a three days journey. And she went with haste. Hopefully she was smart and took there were some others that went with her, but I don't know. It doesn't say that, but we do know that she made it. And she went. She had a determination, this is where I need to be, and she went to be with Elizabeth. She felt like she could get some encouragement there. You know, there's a lot of people today that are just looking for some answers. Great to have people like Elizabeth that has had experience and it's close to the Lord, and is there to be able to offer encouragement. It reminds me of the book of Titus. There in chapter 2, it talks about the older women. It says the older women, they need to be able to live reverent lives so that they can turn, can turn around and teach the younger women. That's what Mary needed. She needed somebody to be able to help her. And she heads to be able to see Elizabeth. You know, first thing that takes place, that's what the Bible says. We just read it. When she gets to Elizabeth's, the Bible says that the baby within Elizabeth's womb leaped. <laughs> because, see, Elizabeth, we're having another miraculous birth because she is too old to be able to have a baby, but she's having one. And the baby leaped. <laughs> that word leaped, it could be translated as skipped, leaped. But when you're in a womb, what we're seeing is it's not just a kick. No, this was a jolt. <laughs> it would get your attention, and it got her attention. And she said, oh, that, the baby has leaped in my womb with joy. You know, this is actually gives us a little preview of what John's row is. John's row would be to go before the forerunner of Christ, to prepare the way for him. He would do so with excitement. And, and gusto, and sure enough, you just get a little glimpse of that. I want you to stop and think about that. John has been in the womb six months now. If 
you're in the womb six months, here's, here's what that means. It means he was probably about eight to ten inches long. He weighed one to one and a half pounds. He could open his eyelids now, and he had fingerprints, toe prints. See, a lot of people don't think there's life in the womb. No, this is life. Now, listen, I don't... I'm not trying to make people feel guilty. There may be a people that have experienced abortions. And the good thing, I want you to know, you can have forgiveness. Some people have done so out of ignorance. And some people, they regret doing it. But the good thing is you can be forgiven. But let's admit, this is life. And John was excited because Mary, who had just became pregnant, was there carrying baby Jesus. By the way, some people would have said in Mary's situation, you know what the best thing you can do is to be able to abort that baby, get yourself out of this situation for people to find out about it. No, that's not what's happened. God has a plan. This is miraculous birth. and God is going to work. And let me also tell you that children, all children are a gift from God, and God has a purpose. Children's lives... I wish that in America we push more for adoption. And even children that were in abusive situations, that they could be removed and, and be adopted by people that, that want them and love them. So John gives us a preview, a preview to Mary of his role. See, John would be the one that would proclaim repentance, calling people to repent because the Messiah's coming, and then when Jesus showed up, he'd be the one that would point to him and say, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. John would actually lose a couple of his disciples, and they would become disciples of Jesus. John points out, this is the Messiah. This is the Son of God. One day his disciples returned to him and said, This guy that you baptized, his disciples are now baptizing people. We're having less people follow us. And John said, you know what? I'm not the bridegroom. I'm the best man. And when you hear the voice of the bridegroom, there's joy. And see, John still had joy knowing that Jesus was being proclaimed. And so John said, John said, you know, he must increase and I must decrease. You know, that's actually true for all of us when we become Christians. Life is not about us. It's about Him, and that should be our attitude. I'm going to decrease. I don't want the glory. I want Him to get the glory. It's about Him. Let me tell you a couple other things about John. Because we was talking about being lonely. Well, when you get to Matthew chapter 11, John's in jail. You see, he proclaimed the truth. He was courageous, pointed out the immorality of Herod's life, put in prison. So John is in prison. And you know, when you find yourself alone, it's easy to have doubts. And even when you're close to God, John went through a period of doubts. And so he sent one of his men who had come to visit him to Jesus. Just to be sure, just to ask him, are you the one? Or is there still another? Jesus smiled and Jesus said this. You go back and tell John, tell him this. The blind see. The lame walk. The deaf hear. 
the dead are raised up. The poor, the gospel is shared to them. And then you tell him one other thing. Blessed is the person that is not offended because of me. And you know, they went back and shared that with John. And John knew then his life wasn't in vain. He just needed the encouragement. We all need encouragement at different times. Well, by the way, Jesus said this. There in Matthew 11, verse 11. Out of all the people that have been born of woman, he said, John, John the Baptist is the greatest. Remarkable. Well, in John chapter 10, verse 41, here's what it says about John the Baptist. John did no miracles. He said, John's the greatest. But John didn't raise the dead. John didn't heal people. The blind can't see because of John. Well, what did John do? He preached. He called people to repentance. He called people back to God. He called people to do what's right. He pointed people to Jesus Christ. He did so with courage. He did so with compassion. He didn't leave anybody out. You see, sometimes we think being great, you got to have this many resources. you got to be able to do this. No, John didn't do miracles. John just lived for God and did what God had asked him to do. Friend, to be great in the Lord's eyes, we just got to simply follow His Word, do His will. You can accomplish great things. I'm telling you, it's not miracles, but it's impacting people. That's what John did. Mary needed encouragement. She comes, she gets it through this baby, the announcement of him, of how he leapt. She also gets it from the words from Elizabeth. Elizabeth begins to share with her, and she gets it right off the beginning. As soon as Mary announces herself, Elizabeth responds. And notice that Elizabeth responds with excitement. Look at verse 42. It says, then she spoke out with a loud voice. Why is she speaking with a loud voice? I'll tell you why she's excited that Mary is there. I want you to think about this. Zacharias, he's the priest. Zacharias, if you remember earlier in this chapter, had been in the temple close to the Holy of Holies offering his, this sacrifice. It's a once-in-a-lifetime thing and an angel of the Lord appeared to him. And Zacharias is told about the baby John the Baptist. Told all about him, all the things that John's going to do, all the prophecies. Zacharias, because of his unbelief, could no longer talk. But I really believe that Zacharias began to explain through writing, through gestures, things to Elizabeth. They began going over scriptures, those things found in Malachi. And... John would be the forerunner of the Messiah. That means the Messiah. The Savior of the world was coming. And Elizabeth got it. She understood the Messiah is coming. God's Son is coming. And so when Mary shows up, that voice, she can't help but contain herself. God, this is actually taking place. He loves us so much that God is sending the Messiah. And I'm a part of it. I'm getting to be firsthand here. 
You see her excitement? Charles Spurgeon was preaching one time, and an atheist, a known, well-known atheist, had been in to see him. He was a writer, and he was coming out of the service, and somebody recognized him and said, what are you doing here? You're an atheist. You don't believe this. He said, no, but he sure does. Let me tell you something. Elizabeth believes. She is excited, and she's excited for Mary. She's excited about Jesus. And then Elizabeth speaks, and she speaks similar words of what the angel Gabriel had said, really reinforcing and confirming for Mary her call, what God wanted her to do. Sometimes we know that God has a plan or something for us to do, and we just need to be able to hear it again and again. Somebody needs to reinforce it for us. And that's what happens here. Elizabeth confirms Gabriel's words. By the way, isn't it interesting that Elizabeth actually is first to confess that Jesus is Lord. Notice what she says again. This is again in verse 42. She says, blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. But she says then, verse 43, but why is it granted to me that the mother, and get this, of my Lord. That word Lord in the New Testament, when it's used, it's referring to Jesus and to God. And so she's just basically proclaiming here, this baby is God. My Lord, the Messiah. You see, Elizabeth, Early on, because her and Zechariah did some Bible study, understands this is God's plan. This is God's Messiah. This is the Son. And so she confesses Jesus is Lord. We think that Peter, back in Matthew 16, is the first to be able to say, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And actually, Elizabeth, right here in the Christmas story, says he's my Lord. And then Elizabeth blesses. Verse 45 she mentions a blessing for Mary. She said, blessed is she who believed. Isn't that interesting? Here's Zachariah. He may have been right there. Zacharias is sitting here. He can't talk. Why can't he talk? Because he says to angel Gabriel, he said, hey, will you give us, how do I know this is going to happen? Give me a sign. And that Gabriel said, well, because you don't believe, I'm going to give you a sign. You're not going to be able to talk. And so there's Zacharias, this priest, who when he talked to the angel, didn't believe. Now he can't talk. And so now Elizabeth looks at Mary and said, Blessed are you because you have believed. It's not an easy assignment given you, but you're so blessed. You know, Mary, the role that's been given her, it what, what a blessing. But it is very difficult. But to have somebody behind you excited for you, knowing that God is using you as an instrument to do so much. Listen, don't ever downplay your role as a cheerleader, as an encouragement in somebody's life. God is at work. And there's so much out there that discourages people need someone like Elizabeth and Mary needed it so badly. She spends three months with Elizabeth. 
three months to be encouraged, to be filled. Three months, then she's ready. Ready to go and to face the challenges that lay ahead. Ready to go and to face the gossip. Ready to go and to face everything that's out there. She accomplishes it. She knows she's in the will of God, serving God and honoring God. Thank goodness for Elizabeth. I'm telling you, at Christmas, the best gift that you can give somebody sometimes is not a present. Best gift sometimes, just giving them a word of encouragement to pushing them on. You can do it. Well, Mary then, we didn't read this, this passage, but then it goes into Mary's song. It's called the Magnificent. You know, when you feel along, one of the best things that you can do, and we can learn from Mary, is praise God. And she begins to praise God. It's the reason it's called the magnificence is because she magnifies the Lord. That's how it starts in verse 46. My soul magnifies the Lord. She basically praising God because He is the one that's in charge. He is sovereign. That's what it means that God is in control of all of this. And God has chosen her. Mary, she praises Him for His sovereignty, for just being in control. And Notice, it's kind of reminiscent of um, Hannah's words. That the Lord has regarded my lowly estate. That's what Hannah said when she sung her song. God has chosen me. I don't deserve it. And God has looked down. She had prayed for a son and she was barren. Well, Mary, you can't really say that about Mary. But Mary was a peasant. She didn't feel like she deserved that. But also, think about this. The nation Israel, there had been no prophet for 430 years. Silence. And God had looked down at the, at the nation on their lowly estate and now was speaking and acting on their behalf. So she's not just speaking for herself, but also for the nation. Then she goes on and in the next verse, she says, You've regarded my lowly estate. For henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. She recognizes it, praises God for using her, for letting her have this opportunity, for blessing her, and she praises God. We should thank God for His blessings, for the opportunities that we have. And then she praises God for His mercy. Look what he, she says. She says uh, in verse 50, for His mercy is on those who fear Him from generation to generation. This baby that you've given me is going to be the giver of mercy that's going to impact one generation after another generation after another generation. They're going to be able to have a relationship with God and know God. She said, I just praise you for this. The Messiah, the giver of mercy and grace, the one that can provide hope to the world. She just praises God that she can be a part of it. Wow. Christmas is a time for us to praise God. There's a lot of people that are lonely. But I'm telling you, it's a season of joy. And it's a joy because of the message. There's a lot of grief. There's a lot of hardship. There's things that's taken place over the weekend. It just breaks your heart. 
but it doesn't change the message that's eternal. That people can be forgiven. They can know God. This is a season of joy, and we've got reason to be able to praise and to honor God. We're going to take a moment and have a time of invitation. And here, we've got a chance. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, Jesus, come for you. And you've got a chance to experience this joy, to have real peace, to be forgiven. And as Christians, we've got an opportunity to tell the Lord, forgive me. I'm getting grumpy. Forgive me, I've just got a bad attitude. Help me, Lord, change my attitude. Let me experience your joy. Let's have prayer together. Dear Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for just being present, letting us sense your spirit. Lord, I just ask now that you would just move and work. And may people be able to just to draw close to you. And Lord, I just ask that now, as Christmas is coming, we can begin to get excited. Even those that are threatening. Maybe because of their, they don't feel good, their health, their financial situation. Maybe it's relationships. Lord, because of you, there's reason to celebrate. Let the celebration begin by getting right with you. May you honor this time. And I pray your blessings in Jesus' name.